Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the One Health Podcast. I'm Tori Schmelzer. Each week, we're going to bring you an inspiring person or message or lesson on how to better in all areas of your health. So whether that would be your emotional health, your physical health, your professional health, all the different areas. So I'm glad you guys could join us again today on the show. I have Helen White. Helen, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, Before we get into things today, I need to give a special shout out to our sponsors. Motivating you, go to shop.teammotivate, the letter N and the letter U.com, and you're going to get a free macro plan and a uh, free consultation there. So make sure you guys go there, check that out. Um, and then we have Eco Gym. Um, Eco Gym is doing some crazy things in the fitness industry. You guys need to go check this out. Go to www.ecogymworldwide.com. Sign up for your free workout, find a club near you, and they're actually going to give you guys $50 off on a membership just for listening to the podcast, which is good. That's good. So, Helen. Yes. You're here. Yes. This has been a long time coming. Yes. I'm excited. <laughs> I have uh, worked with you for a while now, but we have never had the opportunity to actually sit down mm-hmm. and um, kind of hear your story. Mm-hmm. how this all started. Yes. Um, for those of you that don't know, Helen White is a seven-time Ironman? Six. Six-time mm-hmm. Ironman competitor. Mm-hmm. Um, also a personal trainer. Yes. And a mother. Yes. And anything else? A cancer survivor. Cancer survivor. That is a big one. That's a big one. And we'll probably touch on that topic today. I think we will. Because <laughs> I think a lot of people will get a lot out of that. Mm-hmm. So take us back here. How did this journey into fitness kind of start for you? Mm-hmm. Were you into this as a child? Was this something in high school you were in sports? Mm-hmm. Or did this develop later in life? Mm-hmm. So I will say I, I tried to think about when fitness became important to me. And I was not into fitness as a kid. Um, I was not into fitness in high school. And in college, that's sort of when the jogging craze just started. So I dipped my toe into a little bit of jogging. And um, I I enjoyed a little bit of jogging, so I would do that. But I really didn't get healthy um, until after I got sick. So I probably need to go back and say how, how that happened. Gotcha. So how many years ago was that when you got diagnosed? So it was 24 years ago. Oh, wow. A long time. I was 36 years old. Okay. Happily married, great guy, um, two little girls. I had a six-year-old and a four-year-old. I was working part-time. He had a very busy life, Um, did all the mom things during the day. Then Jack would get home, and we would tag team, and I was teaching at uh, Robert Morris University a couple nights a week. Mm-hmm. I did not know that you teached yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. What subject were you teaching? I was teaching computer classes. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I actually started in the retail management program, but they had, this was the time when computers were getting bigger and bigger, and they wanted <clears throat> teachers to learn how to teach software, and so they sent me back to school. I went to DePaul for some more education and then started teaching in those programs. Then once I had kids, I wanted to drop down to part-time, so I was teaching in the evenings. Okay. So I would commute downtown, and um, I was just very happy. Had a, you know, just like a normal full, I was a soccer mom, I 
I was um, involved in the kids' schools. Um, I was like, I would go to all the activities during the day and then I would teach at night. But fitness was not part of my routine. It wasn't even, I, I, I knew I should have been working out, but working out to me meant getting on like an exercise bike for a few minutes. Gotcha. Um, we did have an exercise bike, so at best, I would get on it for 30 minutes, and at best, maybe once a week, maybe every other week, maybe once a month. This is um, in the, is this in the early 90s that you're kind of talking about? So, I'm just trying yes, to place yes, it, time yes, period. Yes, okay, okay. Yes, early 90s. So back mm-hmm. then you had the, you were coming out of the 80s where they had all the kind of aerobics and the really funny outfits and mm-hmm. all yes. the different classes. Yeah, so I had the Jane like Fonda tape, so I would do that <laughs> occasionally. Yes, yes, correct. Nice, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah so um, I wasn't a fit person. I admired fit people. I, I, I was actually, um, I, I, would, I called myself chubby, but it, I was really overweight. Um, I was size-wise, I was probably like a 12 or a 14. Um, so for women who you know can relate to that number, um, was getting a little fuller. Um, my my brother got married uh, in '94 in the summer, and I had to shop for a new dress. And I was already now into a 16, and I was thinking, mm, you know, uh, I did not want to go to that next number, but I did. And um, wh- what happened after that was I I woke up one morning. And I felt like a, like someone had poked me in the abdomen with like a pencil, as if you you know went boop. And I I rolled over in my bed and I thought, did I just roll like on a little Barbie hand? You know the Barbie hand that's like little curved hand. It's stiff because mm-hmm. I had little girls. I had a four year old, a six year old. Their toys were everywhere. Stepping on Legos all yeah, the time. Yeah, right, stuff like that. So <laughs> I thought I thought you know what? I think I rolled over on a Barbie hand. And I looked, and there was no Barbie hand, and then I went to the bathroom, and I thought, well, that was weird. But the next morning, I felt that same kind of poking feeling again, and I I paused, and I thought, I felt that yesterday. That's kind of weird. And then I felt that same little poke um, a third day, and those were the days before 24-hour pharmacies, and for some reason, I thought, am I having like a urinary tract infection that's not too much information no that no that's but, what most people would probably think it was yeah, yeah. I, I sort of um connected it to going to the bathroom in the morning i called my doctor and my doctor said you know you need to come in i can't prescribe anything over the phone so um it was a saturday i went with my my husband and my two girls we were going to go to the movies that day so i said you know i just need to stop at the doctor i think he needs to write me a prescription and um, he did an exam, and he felt my abdomen, and he, they took blood, and he said, um, guess what? I think you're pregnant. And I said, what? And um, he said, yeah, well, we're going to send you in for an ultrasound. That was going to be the following Tuesday because this was a Saturday, and ultrasound wasn't open. And I came out of the office, and I was like, and I thought, you know what? I had been gaining a little weight. And so <laughs> This is the reason right here. Yeah. I thought, well, maybe that's the reason I was in a size 16. <laughs> so I came out of the office, Tori, and I was like beaming. I thought, oh, my God, we're pregnant again. And I told Jack. I didn't tell the girls because they were little, four and six, I wanted. But I went out that weekend. I bought some more maternity clothes. 
They sent me from an ultrasound. I had a girlfriend in from out of town. I said, you want to see, who had never been pregnant. I said, ultrasounds are really cool. You want to come with me to the hospital? She's like, sure. We went to the hospital. They did an ultrasound, and they said, um, you're not pregnant. It's a tumor. Talk yeah. about one high, the absolute mm-hmm. highest you can get yes. to the absolute yeah. lowest you yeah. can get. Yeah. I mean, I totally wasn't ready for that. And I, so... Of course, I was very upset. It felt to me like I lost a, a baby, even though you know I thought yeah. I was only pregnant for you know those three or four days. So they said, um, chances are it's not malignant; it's just a tumor, but it has to come out. So they scheduled the surgery, and I had my surgery. And in those days, for abdominal surgery, they kept you in the hospital for quite a few days, and I think it was, I was in the hospital for like five or six days. On the sixth day. Oh, and while I was in surgery, right after surgery, um, my doctors, you know, were there, and they gave me a thumbs up because they have to take a slice of the tumor immediately to pathology to see if it's cancerous or not. And they gave me the thumbs up when I woke up from surgery that it wasn't cancer. So I was, like, so relieved. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then I had to recover five more days in the hospital. Last day, getting ready to leave, Jack went to get the car, I'm sitting on my bed with my little suitcase packed, and my doctor comes in and said, um, I need to talk to you. I'm like, oh, okay. He said, yeah, I have some sobering news. And Tori, I can't remember what sobering meant. I was thinking, sober, is it, it's good to be sober, right? So I was thinking, <laughs> is this good news? I honestly, you know, how it's just like sometimes you have a word that doesn't like connect. Yeah, and you just had surgery, so you're probably a little bit out of it, well, too. Well, I had surgery five or six days before yeah, that, yeah, but yeah. still. Yeah. So he said, I, I, I need to tell you that the, the rest of the tumor was cancerous. And, um, but chances are just taking the tumor is the cure. But if it's not, you might need some chemotherapy. So already now I'm thinking, well, first they told me I'm pregnant, and now I'm not. Then they told me it wasn't malignant, and now it is. And now they're saying maybe taking the tumor is the cure. So now, now you don't know what to believe oh, no. at that I'm, point. I'm now thinking, even though I'm an optimist, I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to need chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. So we make an arrangement. We have a choice of, from my insurance. We had a choice of two doctors. One was at Weiss Hospital, which is in the city. And here I am living in Glenview. And so that was closer. And then the other one was at University of Chicago, which is much further. So I thought I'll interview the closer doctor first and um, talk to him. And my one criteria was I was going to say a joke. And if he laughed, this is how I was picking my (laughs) oncologist. Can you believe it? If he laughed, then I would pick him. And if not, then we would go to University of Chicago. So we meet meet this great doctor. His name is Stuart Krause, a fantastic man. And uh, he told me everything, what what the protocol was going to be. And, of course, it was chemotherapy. And it wasn't outpatient chemotherapy. It's where they'd have to hospitalize me for a week at a time, get chemo every day for a week, send you home for till the following Tuesday, then you go in on Tuesday, then the following Tuesday, and then they'd start that whole cycle over again where you're in the hospital for an entire week getting it every day, and then that went on and on. Um, so at the end of the explanation, I asked him, I said, so should I cancel my haircut? Because I knew I was going to lose my hair. <laughs> And so oh my he laughed. And so I thought, okay, he's going to be my doctor. 
to have that outlook in that situation, most people, that joke would not cross their mind. (laughs) I think that just goes to show how much of an optimist you really are in that situation. So So that was the start. So he explained all that. Mm -hmm. And then fast forward. So now you pretty much made up your mind, well, I have to do this. Yes. I have to go in. This isn't an option. This is what we have to do. Yes. So you went on that journey. Mm -hmm. And... One thing I want to know is mm-hmm. how do you get, how do you wake up every day knowing, okay, I'm about to go through this absolutely miserable thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Where was your, where was your mind at mm-hmm. in all that? Right. So first ovarian usually is like a death sentence, unfortunately, has a very low success rate. So right away I, I had decided, and I know this sounds crazy. I was like, I, I'm just not going to die. You know, I had a four-year-old and a six-year-old. You know, my six-year-old, my four-year-old wasn't even in kindergarten yet. I thought, this, I, I had never been to great America. You know, yeah. <laughs> I thought, there's too many things I want to do. So I, I just sort of said in my head, I'm not going to die. And if people are going to be around me that are negative, I can't be around them. So I, I had this conversation with Jack, and I said to him, there's certain people that I know are going to be very negative. When they call, I won't talk to them. You could talk to them, but I won't. If they come over, they can't come in. I had decided I only wanted to be around positive people and positive things. That's amazing. So that, that was sort of where my head was at. That's where I started. Most people don't have mm-hmm. the, the guts to draw that line, even if it's with mm-hmm. you know people that they've known for, for years. Mm-hmm. So that took a lot of guts to just <laughs> draw that line in the sand, really. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that's, wow. Yeah. So, th- so that's sort of where it started. Um, I didn't know till years later how worried Jack was. I mean, how I understood later that he actually one day went out in the hall and a nurse caught him crying that, you know, because he was like, she, she might die, you know, because you, you get really, really sick from the chemo because they're trying to kill all the other cells. Yeah. And so, I mean, not just all your hair falling out, which makes you look awful, of course. And I lost a lot of weight. Well, so there was the good thing about me being chubby that I, <laughs> that I had, because imagine if I was like normal weight and you lose a lot of weight because yeah. you can't eat, you can't keep things down, you're so nauseous all the time. Um, then you would get like really, really so skinny, like so sick skinny. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I just got incredibly, incredibly weak. And at one point, I was so weak that um, my my blood wasn't strong enough to handle the chemo on a schedule, and so I needed a transfusion. And at that time, you know, AIDS was very big, yeah. and, and not um, they were just getting the testing down. And I thought I will not die of AIDS, but get some infected blood, you know, because I need a transfusion when I'm battling this cancer. So you get to actually, if you, if you can find someone who's your same blood type, um, you get to take their blood if they're willing to donate. So I had a lot of people who offered. Some people I was like, mm, I don't know where you've been lately. <laughs> <laughs> I would think the exact same thing if you I know, was in your position, honestly. You know, I mean, um, and so I ended up getting my husband's blood. Oh, you guys I, are the same blood type. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And the funny thing is, I used to hate spicy food until I got his blood, which really? was kind of, yeah, they say that that does happen sometimes. 
Mm-hmm. That is super interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I went through the transfusion and that went that went well and then I was able to, you know, get ri- right back on the schedule for the chemotherapy and um, finished the treatment. Mm-hmm. So you got done with treatment mm-hmm. and then you obviously had a lot of follow-up appointments. Yeah, so I had um, I had a portacath implanted in my chest and um, what they do is it's a very it's very common to have a recurrence. So what they do is they keep the port in your chest for a number of years. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So I guess it depends on the cancer and depends on the protocol. So that's one thing I learned too is every cancer is very different, depending on what stage you are you're in in your particular type of cancer. Even ovarian, there's lots of different kinds, and the protocol is different for each type of cancer. And since I was very young and very healthy, um, they kept my port in for a nice long for a couple of years. And so um, I would, at the very beginning, I'd have to go back like every four weeks. Um, And then that went to every six weeks, and then that went to every three months, and then that went to every six months, and then they went to every year, and now I don't see an oncologist. And they took the port out after a couple years. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So now you've been cancer-free for how long? How many years? 23 years. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. thanks. That's really cool. so you went through this journey, mm-hmm. you did all that, you got done with it, mm-hmm. and now right. you have a different outlook on right. life, right. right? Yes. Where was your head at then? So there was a couple things that were going through my head. Number one is there were, like I said, there were things I thought, you know what, I need to do some things that I wanted to do. As crazy as it sounds, I wanted to go to Great America. I had never been to Great America. I had never <laughs> been on that like crazy water ride and... I just wanted to go. I had always watched the marathon on TV, and I thought, you know what? I want to run a marathon. Like I said before, in college, I would be like a little runner. Like when I talk about little, I mean like 30 minutes of jogging. So I thought, you know what? I want to run a marathon. I mean, I didn't know the first thing about it. So I sort of now had it in my head that there were certain things I wanted to do. So... um, There happened to be an article in one of the magazines. I can't remember what magazine it was that I was reading. And it was one of those how to run a marathon. It was, um, I'll I'll remember the author in just a minute, Uh, Jeff Galloway. Okay. And he had a run-walk program where you would, I think, run for five minutes and walk for one. And there was no deviating of this pattern. Now, nowadays, there's a lot of deviations. You can create patterns that are best for you. But at that time, there was one pattern, and he, he, had, he had the program in, in this magazine, and I made a copy of the magazine article, and I thought, I'm going to follow this program. And I had joined Bailey's Total, Bailey Total Fitness on Dempster, which was the local gym at the time. They had an, an eighth of a mile was an eighth of a mile? Or, no, they had a quarter mile track around the gym. And I started training. And I thought, if I can make my way up to 18 miles, I'll sign up for the Chicago Marathon. Because at that time, it wasn't online. It was a mail-in and application. Yeah. Because now, <clears throat> so it took me a real long time to get healthy enough to even go to a gym. And at the beginning, of course, too, when you're, when you're bald, um, and the wigs were very, very, very uncomfortable. So I didn't. I had one, but I didn't wear it. It actually hurt your head because it hurts when your hair is falling out and your hair, your the top of your head and your hair follicles feel um, inflamed. So anything that you put on top of your head actually hurts. 
Wow, which I is, did not know that yeah, either. Yeah, which is very no different. One, nobody ever talks about that Mm-mm. aspect when you hear Mm-mm. about the lo- hair loss and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Wow. So I I didn't like wearing the wig. Um, once once my girls were comfortable with me being bald, then it didn't really matter what anybody else, if they weren't comfortable or not. But I, I mean, you do, when you go out, when I finally had enough strength to even go to the gym um, to try, start training for this marathon program, and um, I didn't have any hair, you know, people look, but, you know. So I just started slowly, 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 and I was so incredibly weak at the start. I remember before I started to run, I thought, you know what, I'll get on the bike, because I knew the bike, you know, because I had a bike at home, you know, an exercise bike, and I thought, let me try this for a few minutes. And at level zero, I was like unable to pedal, and I thought, wow. I am so weak, but I thought I have to start somewhere, so I did that and um, then started the slow training program and didn't know anything about weights or or strength training. That wasn't even part of anything, but I got to, as I said before, I got to 18 miles, sent in my application. At the time, there was no cutoff for Chicago Marathon. Now it's a lottery, so at the time, there was about 18,000 people um, registered, so this was 1996, and um, I ran the marathon. So mm-hmm. you, your body has just been through hell for over a year, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. So you said you weren't doing any strength training; you were just doing five-minute walk, mm-hmm. one-minute run, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you just did that. Right. So did you run your race like that yeah, too? That's how I ran my race. Okay. And. Um, the marathon back then um, had a cutoff. At that time, it was six hours, and I was I wasn't going to make it in six hours. And actually, Jack, who had dropped me off, went home and it, it was on the news. And he said that one of the newscasters said to him, "If you have a loved one here at the Chicago Marathon, you should be here." And so all of a sudden, he thought, "Oh my God, I should be there," because he was just going to come at the end. So he came there, put the bike in the car, and since he knew my pace, he went to try to find me. And sure enough, he found me, because you have to understand, back then it was very sparse. Yeah. And also at, at the, so he found me, like maybe I was at about mile 18. And at that point, they were already closing up the aid stations. They were closing them ahead of me. And he and they were opening up the streets to traffic. So he was a Chicago cop at the time. So what he did was, and I was running with a, a, a small group of people who were also at my pace. He would ride his bike up to the street. He would shut down traffic on his own and let us go through. Wow. So because they were already closing down the course. So everything, every aid station, the tables were gone, but there were still some cups on the floor because they had left what cups they had filled already. And they, and as a matter of fact, at the tail end um, of my finish, the, someone took a picture of me, and there's a behind me are people taking down the finish sign. Oh my! God. Taking down the freaking finish <laughs> sign because I was over six hours. Now they keep it open much longer. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, that was my first. My first. Um, it was. It was huge for me. It was really big. So you got done. Talk to me mm-hmm. about the sense of accomplishment. When you crossed that finish mm-hmm. line, did you break into tears? Yes, I was crying, yeah. and my girls were there, and my mom came, and um, some girlfriends came. and That's amazing. Um, yeah, it was great. 
That's awesome. Yeah. So I think some of the ladies listening to this are going to be jealous of this Jack guy. He sounds like a real good guy. Jack's amazing. Yeah. So he's been there. You guys are still married? Yeah. 32 years. 32 years. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you very much. You don't see that anymore these days? Yeah. I'm very lucky. I think that's what a lot of people strive for. Mm -hmm. So you're going through all this. He was really your cheerleader through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yes. And always supportive. Yes. And I think what you know, what tends to happen, I've heard people, you know, who have been sick before, they get this sense of guilt that mm-hmm. they're weighing down on their family. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which puts you even further down mm-hmm. and, you know, thoughts of depression start to sink in and stuff like mm-hmm. that. He was always there for you. How did you battle mm-hmm. that stuff back? You said you mentioned you got rid of the negative people Mm-hmm. out of your life were there any things that you did like during the day like you woke up during the day said anything to yourself to kind of get you in the right frame of mind mm-hmm. um well I, I think i think what happened next was i've always been a positive person and um i i would wake up every day you know, wanting to, you know, have a good day. But there wasn't really anything, like I said, like that. But I did know after I got done running the marathon, I, I, I knew that there were, I needed something more. I, I still wasn't feeling, I was feeling on top of the world mentally, but I really wasn't feeling on top of the world physically. I was still felt very weak and very, um, well, slow doesn't, it doesn't really matter how slow you are in the marathon. I mean, if you finish it. Yeah, finishing is finishing. Yeah. Right, finishing is finishing. But but I, I knew that there was still, I, I was still so unbelievably weak. And I, I knew that I needed something more. And one of these, this sort of leads me to the next chapter, the next big thing that happened in my life. Um, they had at Bally's at the counter, they had put your business card in for a free personal training session. Very common thing you see at gyms, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so I was teaching, so I had a business card. I thought, you know what? I'll put my business card in and see if they pick my name. So I get a call from uh, a guy named Chad Paul over at Bailey's. He said, come on in for a free personal training session. And I thought it was going to be, the women will understand this comment, I thought it was going to be like a free makeover and that you learn like one one or two tips and that you you know don't have to spend any money you just get this thing <laughs> and then you now you know how to you know use this mascara or this you know now you know how to use weights yeah i mean i thought it was going to be like that i thought i'm going to learn what i need to learn in this free session and then i'll just do it and i didn't even bring my purse into the gym i mean i kept it locked in the car that's how much i knew i wasn't going to buy anything yeah well this guy was so amazing in the way he described that I could really get stronger. And also his brother was going through treatment for leukemia at the time. So I really felt like he understood how weak I felt and where I had been. And I thought, you know what, I have to do this. I have to learn how to lift. I have to learn how to get stronger. I, have to, I had never lifted a weight before, never not a single weight. And I thought, I gotta do this. So I went in my car and I went and got my credit card. And this was a huge expense for me because just, we were still living month to month, you know, like a lot of people do, you know, where even Starbucks was out of the question for me. I mean, I didn't even go. 
because I'm not going to spend that kind of money on coffee, yeah. a cup of coffee. <laughs> well, I, can make, I can make coffee at home. Yeah. So this was a huge thing, but I thought, you know what, this is going to be worth it. And um, I told him, I said, yes, I, I want you to be my trainer. He's like, oh, no, no, no. I just set up, you know, I, 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 I'll give you another trainer. I'm just the person who sets up the training. But if you don't like the trainer that I give you, then I'll be your trainer. I said, I already don't like the trainer. <laughs> <laughs> You're so, my guy right so, now. Okay. So he said, okay, I'll train you. And um, threes were three pound weights were incredibly heavy for me. Uh, I could not get down on. He had me get down on my knees, one knee, and then get up. I could not get up. I could not get up from being down on one knee. Unbelievable. That's, that's how that's how weak I was. Unbelievably weak. And um, he asked me what some of my goals were, and I said to him, because uh, I was thinking again, like this big list of what I've always wanted. I'm like. I think pull-ups are really cool. I'd like to do a pull-up. And he's like, okay. And now I see, you know, I mean, it was years. I never did a pull-up for him until, <laughs> year, you know, that's. He's trying to give the old optimistic, yeah, we can definitely yeah, get yeah, you there. Yeah. And I was so <laughs> grateful for that because, you know, he didn't, you know, I mean, I guess he said, if you think, you know, that's a goal, that's a goal. And. And so that's sort of my philosophy now, too, is people tell me their goals, and I'm like, great. I think that's good, because you see a lot of, in the Mm -hmm. fitness industry, you see a lot of trainers, they go and people tell them their goals, Mm -hmm. and then they immediately shoot it down and try to explain why they shot it down, Mm -hmm. instead of just saying, yeah, "Yeah, we can definitely achieve that. Mm -hmm. Let me give you the roadmap on how to get there. Right. And I think that's that's the difference between a good personal trainer and a bad personal trainer. Yeah. Again, your optimism Mm -hmm. coming through. Right. That's good. So I worked with him for a couple of years and um, loved the feeling of getting stronger. I mean, I was like, I, of course, at the time when you can only lift three pound weights and then you, then you progress to fives and then eights and then tens and twelves. And, you know, you feel like you're a superhero. You know, you're on top of the world. And so every, it felt like every week I was getting stronger. I know that wasn't actually every week, but I worked with him for a number of years and I was still teaching part time. And I thought, you know what? If I could make one other person feel as good as he's making me feel, I, I want to do this, you know. I, I want to be a trainer. I want to help other people. And so I started to look into getting certified, and I got ACE certified. I was um, out for coffee with a girlfriend, and um, she had told a person who stopped by our table at, at um, it was at Caribou Coffee, and her friend, she told her friend that, you know, I'm studying to be a trainer, and the friend said, oh, I need a trainer, and so I said to her, oh, okay, well, when I get certified, I'll call you, and then I left her, and I thought, well, maybe she doesn't care, you know, t- I'm on my way to being certified, yeah. so I gave that person a call, and she became my first client, and so I started my home business, so I was still teaching, and then that client turned into, then she referred me to a friend because she was getting strong and in shape. And then all of a sudden I had like a handful of clients and I asked for less and less teaching hours and then my business started to grow. So, yeah. so you're following your passion now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. your other, mm-hmm. the teaching went by the wayside. Yes, because then it got to a point where I said, don't put me on the schedule at all. 
and then there were enough semesters of that where they said, mm, you're not coming back, right? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I think, I think I'm not coming back. But in the meantime, I still wanted to continue to um, push myself. Um, so I was still getting trained by another trainer um, at another gym called Premier Fitness. And um, I love I love that. And I always like to point mm-hmm. this out to people, too. Mm-hmm. Even personal trainers get personal trainers mm-hmm. because yes. there's always a goal that we can push for. Mm-hmm. And they're going to push you harder than you can ever push you. Mm-hmm. That's what happens a lot. We have these mental blocks. People can't mm-hmm. break through them. But if you have somebody else counting, somebody else pushing, somebody mm-hmm. else encouraging. Yes. Um, then you can hit new breakthrough plateaus and stuff like that. That's a real common misconception people think in our industry that you know that I talk to all the time. So that's really cool that you had that. Yes, I I don't have that same trainer now. I actually have a, a different trainer, Donovan Klein, that I've had for a little over three years. And unbelievable how he pushes and knows you know how to really challenge me. And I I do I adore that. And it makes me want to be a better trainer. You know, it makes me like, wow, it, it keeps that fire inside me. You know, how can I help my clients the way he's helping me? Yeah, Excellent. I love it. So you said you wanted to push yourself mm-hmm. more yeah. and more. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that's a good segue into this whole Ironman mm-hmm. thing. Yes, that is so a good you, segue. So you ran a marathon. Mm-hmm. When did you first hear about Ironman, mm-hmm. discover that, figure out what that mm-hmm. was? Yeah, so I have a girlfriend, Vicki who lives in Texas, and she did the Ironman, and I didn't know what it was. And I said, you know, tell me about it. And she told me it's a 2.4-mile swim in open water, 112 miles on the bike, and ends with a marathon, 26.2 miles, and you have to complete it in 17 hours or less. And when she told you that, did you say, are you a nut job? (laughs) You know what? I, no, my first thought, yeah, I mean, was, that sounds so cool, (laughs) and you're crazy. But it did sort of make me think, well, let me see what this triathlon thing is all about. And since, at that point now, I had already run a couple of marathons, so I had a couple of marathons now under my belt. And so I knew that I could complete the run portion. Um, I had a 25-year-old bike. I knew how to ride a bike. Um, swimming, I had learned to swim as a kid, so I did that learn to swim program. That's pretty common, but um, I, I would never have considered, I was never afraid of the water, but I never really considered myself a swimmer. So I went to the pool to try to see what I could do, and I could get across the length of the pool, which is 25 yards, and then I'd be at the, you know, hanging off the edge, <gasps> breathing hard, and thinking, okay, well then, next time I'll swim two t- you know, there and back. And I thought it was like running, like you build up this progression. But I never really got the hang of the swimming. But I thought, I'm going to enter into a smaller distance triathlon. So triathlon, for those that don't know, triathlons always swim, bike, run. Always that order, swim, bike, run. And triathlon comes in different distances. So there's usually what's called a sprint distance. Then there's Olympic distance, which I think most people know Olympic distance is a one-mile swim. 25 miles on the bike and a 10k run and that's they call it's also called international distance but that's what's when when they do triathlon um, for the olympics that's olympic distance that's why they call it that and then there's half ironman distance which is a 1.2 mile swim 56 miles on the bike and a 
13.1 mile run, and then there's Ironman, as I had mentioned before. So I thought, I'll, do, I'll, I'll sign up for Chicago, for the Chicago Triathlon, that's Olympic distance, and sort of test out my swimming. And my swimming, they had um, rowboat, lifeguards and rowboats all along the course, and every single boat that I got to, I had a green cap on at the time, every single boat they said, hey, green cap, you want out? Because that's how bad I looked. I was just struggling in the water. So you're swimming in Lake Michigan. In Lake Michigan, yes. Fighting the waves. Fighting the waves, but I was... I wasn't a good swimmer. I mean, I was really struggling, and I would swim a little, and then I'd have to stop and tread water. Um, at the time, in, in all triathlons, you're allowed to hang on to the boats as long as you don't make forward progress. In every triathlon, you're allowed to do that. So I would swim to the next boat. They'd say, "Hey, Green Cap, you want out?" I'd be like, "Nope," and I'd swim to the next boat, and um, I made it through. And I thought, "Okay, I need some help with the swim." I tried the next distance up. And I, I struggled again to, um, now these don't really have cutoff times at that point. There, wasn't, there was no cutoff times. But so the next year I signed up for a half Ironman. And then the following year um, I signed up for my first Ironman. And that was 2006. So you have to sign up a year in advance. And I joined a swim team in Evanston. The Evanston it's called the Evanston Masters Swim. And Masters basically means over 18. So and um, I tried to get better. I tried to like watch the people that were swimming. I was in this, they divide you into lanes, how fast you are, and that's how you know when you go to practice in these Evanston Masters, in the Masters program. So do they have coaches there? They have coaching? coaches, they have coaches that give you a workout. So um, I didn't, since so you had I, a program. You had a program to follow. Okay. But it would sort of be like saying, do bicep curls, and you're like, mm, let me look and see what a bicep curl looks like. And you look at the lane next to you, and say, oh yeah, okay, that's what a bicep curl is, I'll do that. <laughs> so I wasn't really learning how to swim, I was just doing a workout, and I, I mean, but I was doing the best I could. And then I would say to the coaches there, I would try to come early, and I'd say to them, if you ever have any tips for me, I'm all ears, because I'm, I'm new, and I wanna learn, and I wanna get better. And um, I did that for almost an entire year, and then I, I kept increasing my distance, so now I could finally swim uninterrupted, um, very slowly, and I, got, I did the build program like you would for the run, and I got to the 2.4 miles, um, but the cutoff in the Ironman event is two hours, 20 minutes for the swim. And by the time I got to 2.4 miles in that swim program, it took me two hours, 40 minutes, so I was 20 minutes off. And everyone kept saying, the day of the race, you'll be fine. There's all that adrenaline, it'll kick in, you'll be faster, it'll be great. And I was thinking, okay, you know, because I had been practicing the riding and practicing the running, and I knew I could get those two other parts down in the right amount of time, but I was definitely concerned about the swim. So race day comes, and um, it was the only triathlon my mom had come to. My brother and sister-in-law flew in from Arizona. It's in Madison, Wisconsin. You know hey, Madison. Yeah, born and raised. Shout out to Madison. Shout out to Madtown. Love Madison. <laughs> um, and the swim starts doing my thing the best I can. And I'm, there's a grandstands at the, at the start and finish of the swim. And I, as I'm getting closer to the end, I'm hearing people shouting like crazy, roaring, roaring. And I get out, 
and there's three guys, big guys mostly, with um, Iron Man shirts on, and they said, uh, we're going to have to take your chip. And I said, what? They said, you're a minute and 23 seconds after the cutoff. Oh, no. And I just started sobbing, sobbing, because I had worked a year. Yeah. You know, an entire year to try to make this happen. And... um, in Madison, there's this helix, and you have to run up the helix, and there were still people all along, you know, the side of this helix. And they're cla- as I'm running up the helix, which normally you would run to get to your bike uh, and to get out of your wetsuit, and, to get, and they're all clapping for me, and I'm, like, sobbing, running up this helix. And that was it. My day was over. They wouldn't let me get on the bike. So even though I thought I could make up the time on the bike and the run, but that, those are the rules. If you don't make the swim cutoff, they don't allow you. So wow. I thought, you know what? I'm going to have to sign up for next year. And I'm going to have to get better. <laughs> so so how, do you, how do you start mm-hmm. over? Because basically, well, now you're further ahead than you were when you started. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. did you go and get a swim-specific p- coach then? Well, that's a very good question, Tori. So I thought, this is what I need. I, I need some one-on-one coaching. I need some help. You know, and... I will tell you, help has been a theme in my life. I have gotten a lot of help from a lot of people. And um, so I contacted this coach, and he said, okay, let me see you swim. And I swam for him, and he said, um, I'm not the coach for you. Just like that? Mm-hmm. Did he, he didn't give you a reason? No. So I said, well, okay. That, <laughs> at that point, you think, well, what's wrong with me? Yeah, <laughs> Is I did. it my attitude? <laughs> I, no, I didn't think it was my attitude, but I thought, okay, well, I must... So I didn't, you know, I said, okay. I mean, he's not a bus. He doesn't have to stop for everybody. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then I met this woman. I found out about this woman who coaches, so I met with her. And she said, okay, I'd like you to swim for me. I swam for her, and she said, I'm not going to be your coach. Two in a row? Two in a row. So then I met this third guy. I kept talking to other people. I'm like, this is my situation. I missed the cutoff by a minute and 23. I really need some help. I know I could get it done. I need some tweaking here. You know, I'm willing to put in the work. I met this third coach. It was a guy. I swam for him. Tori, you're not going to believe this. He would not coach me. No Honest way. to God, I had three people who would not coach me. I mean, this, this is coaching for money. It wasn't like I was asking for a freebie. It was, these were jobs. It's like me being a trainer. I, you know, no one was asking for a free ride. The fourth person I met said, yeah, I'll coach you. And so this guy named Drew Sarinsky, um, who's in Glenville, said, sure, come on, I'll help you. And he coached me, and the next year, um, I finished the swim portion in an hour and 50 minutes, a half hour ahead of schedule. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just can't believe that. So somebody took a chance on you to Mm -hmm. coach you, Yeah. and it it worked out. Yeah, and so then, I, I mean, I, I loved the feeling, and I loved the training, and I loved pushing myself, so then I did it. Um, so I did, my first completion was in 07, and then I did it again in 08, and in 09, and I did it again in 10, and I took 11 off, and then I did it again in 12. So I have... Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to complete one of those yeah. is a huge feat in yeah. life. Mm-hmm. What I want to know, so I've been doing a little bit of marathon training here, mm-hmm. and they compare marathon training to holding your hand over a flame. 
-hmm. and how long can you hold your hand there Mm -hmm. and break through that barrier, that mental barrier? Mm -hmm. I want to know, you just get done swimming, which is probably one of the hardest physical exercises that you can do. Mm -hmm. Then you got to hop on a bike and cash your legs out for how many miles? 112. 112 miles. Mm -hmm. In Madison, which you know is very hilly. Yeah. And Verona and the surrounding areas, very hilly. So you do that, you hop off your bike. Mm-hmm. Okay, now just casually I have to go run 26.2 right. miles, right. which what one less than half of 1% of the population has ever run a marathon or something ever like will that. run a marathon something or something like, like that. Yeah. How do you find mm-hmm. the mental motivation when your legs are just absolutely killing you? Mm-hmm. They're cashed out at that point, really. Yeah. Are you on autopilot? Or what is going on in your head to be able to push yeah. through that? Yeah. So it was sort of it's so interesting. It was sort of like when I was diagnosed with cancer, and I told myself I wasn't going to die. When I signed up for these events, I told myself I'm going to finish. You know. So as long as I was not going to be asked to leave because I didn't make the cutoff times, which can happen, I thought I'm finishing this thing. You know, I'm going to do everything in my power to finish this thing. So sometimes you're just like on the bike, you're sometimes I'm just counting to eight. Oh, because you can't have music also. They don't let you have any. No. (laughs) No. So 112 miles, no music. And you're by yourself a lot because, you know, you're spread out and you can't draft on the bike and you're not with anybody. Um, You're not riding alongside. You know, it's a race. So people. You know, if they, if they catch up to you or you catch up to them, they're going to pass you. You're not going to have a casual conversation. No, no casual conversations. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, I will tell you this. People that pass you, they do give you girls, And um, the bike course is a 56-mile loop twice. So the people that got out of the swim much faster than me because everybody starts at the same time. And so that's the pros included. The pros are racing the same time at the same course that you are. So the pro woman, the one actually the one who won, because your name is on your bib, uh, um, on your bike. She was on her second loop when I was uh, of the bike of the fifty, so one hundred and twelve. You know, it's fifty six times two. She was on her second loop of the bike when I just started my first loop, and um, she passed me and she's and said my name, and that was so cool. And I found out later that she won the race. She was oh, that's the woman's amazing. winner. Yeah. So well, there's a lot of people that support you, you know, while you're riding. But uh, I just kept telling myself, you know, I'm going to do I trained all year for this. This is what I trained for. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. You know, I had um, Jack and my girls' names written on my arms in uh, Sharpie and little motivational sayings on my other arm. That's really know. cool. And at the, back at the hotel, I had I made signs for myself. You know, you can do this and... Um, Swim your best swim, run your best run. You know, I made little motivational signs for myself. But, yeah, I I told myself I was going to do it, you know. So I'm hearing a common thing from you of your mind being more powerful than your body, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. I've heard read studies uh, through the Deepak Chopra clinic, and he's really big on you can actually start to change your biology with your mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They gave people, I think I heard this one study where they gave people placebo pills for their diseases that they had. Mm-hmm. It was like 50 of them took that, 50 of them took, you know, regular medicine. 
and the 50 people that took the placebo pills, they really believed they were getting better. Their biology literally started changing. Their symptoms started reducing Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So it's cool to hear you talk about that because Mm -hmm. obviously it is a very powerful tool Mm -hmm. that is really hard for a lot of people to tap into. Mm -hmm. I think if you don't truly believe it, you can't Mm -hmm. tap into that. Right. Well, that's what people ask me all the time. So what's your best, what are you best at? Swim, bike, run. And I would always tell them, and I, I do still to this day consider myself a very average athlete. Um, I mean, I know I've gotten stronger over the years and I'm willing to try a lot of things and I certainly am willing to work hard. But I, I do feel like my, my mind is the strongest. You know, of all that they said, what's your strongest discipline? Swim, bike, run? I'd be like, mm, my mind, you know, because... I'm not winning any races. I mean, I it took me, well, my longest one took me 16 hours and 50 minutes, so I came in like 10 minutes before the cutoff, before the midnight cutoff. Wow. So I was out there all night. Are you, I know they have their the gels and the bars and mm-hmm. stuff like that. What are you, what are you eating or drinking mm-hmm. in the middle of this thing? Because you got to be like starving at some point, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So you so the day of an Ironman, you get up super early, usually like 3.30 in the morning, and you have your, a full breakfast <clears throat> of whatever you would have. So that whether that would be oatmeal or eggs or um, eggs and toast or um, your eggs and vegetables, you'd have regular breakfast. And then right before the swim, I would have a gel. So these are all things that you have to train with. Just like for your marathon training, you're probably noticing that you have to try different things, whether it's, you know, a a Gatorade-type product or gels or um, power bars. The the bike strategy, what I had learned was every 20 minutes, for my body size, excuse me, I learned that I had to take in about 200 calories an hour. So I had power bars broken up into little pieces, and every 20 minutes... I took the right amount of calories. Okay. And I did that for the whole entire bike. And by the end, because you're on the bike for about, um, my, my best bike time was about seven and a half hours for the 112 miles. But two years in a row, I did the bike in eight hours, nine minutes. Exactly. Two years in a row. I did the exact same bike time. <laughs> if you could believe that. That's <laughs> right. Freaky. Exactly the same. Um, so at the very end, you're, you're pretty sick of those power bars. You know, every 20 minutes popping a piece in, but you're like, I got to do this, I got to do this, you know. Um, and then for the run, um, I, for my body, I had to take in 100 calories an hour. And at the run, they have aid stations every single mile for 26 miles because um, it's also a loop that's done. Um, yeah, I went and watched one of my friends oh, in Madison do, do uh-huh. it, yeah. and they did like a double back yes. kind of thing at yes. one point, and yes. that's where all the spectators were. So yes. okay, it's it's. I mean, it's a great. Oh my God, it's a great town for a race. It's you, just, if you want inspiration, go down and watch part of that thing. That's right. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're feeling lazy mm-hmm. or anything, mm-hmm. that'll wake you up real quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, okay. it's it's great support. So and they offered for the run co- portion. They offered um, gels and Gatorade, and they also offer chicken broth because at the end, your uh, electrolytes, you need more sodium. They had pretzels, potato chips, um, Coke. Um, They had fruit. But I basically only took what I had trained with, and I had trained with gels for for the run. 
So they take the volunteers take such good care of you. What you do is you're running up to the aid station, and because since I was so close to the cutoff, I di- I couldn't even stop at the aid stations because every second, you know, think of it. If, if you have 26 stops, because there's a, an aid station every mile, yeah. and if you stop for a minute, there could be 26, 26 minutes. minutes yeah. And if you're that close to f- to finishing and you that could take you over the 17-hour deadline so i would approach the aid station and i'd make eye contact with one of the volunteers and i'd say i need a gel with caffeine can you please because i couldn't even open it at that point you know you're like every morsel of your bot i mean you have like zero energy left and i said i need you to open it please and i need some water and i said i'm going to keep going and then they would catch up to me because I wasn't very fast, you know, at that point. They'd catch up with their little gel opened and a little cup of water, and I would take it and then toss the cup in the, the empty gel packet. And every single aid station, I, I did that with a volunteer. That's, I mean, that's what happened. I made eye contact. I'd point to them. They'd give me the thumbs up. I saw my, I'd tell them what I needed, and they'd catch up to me and give it to me. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It was great. After the race. Mm-hmm. Do you go home and pass out? Is there still a lot of Mm -hmm. adrenaline running Mm -hmm. through? Is it hard to relax after Mm -hmm. that, actually, after doing something like that? So they have um, massages afterwards. So each time I went and got a massage from the volunteer. They have massage people that volunteer their time. So I got a a massage. And then we were staying at a hotel in town in Madison. And Jack would run me um, a cold bath and then got a bucket of ice from the ice machine and I would have to sit in <laughs> icy for recovery. Oh, I bet. Yeah. So I did that and then it, it um you you at that point so now it's we're talking it's almost an hour after midnight an hour after I finished. Now I'm starting to get hungry for real food. So um my girlfriend Vicky that I talked about earlier who had done before me, she said make sure you get some real food in your hotel room and have it there. Because there'll be a time where you'll be like, I need to eat now, you know. And so sure enough, that's what happens. And so after the ice bath, I got out and I started to eat some real food. What was the meal? What did you have? I had some pizza. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I bet you could have eaten everything in sight at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you felt like you could have eaten anything and you you wanted to eat everything. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Are you planning on doing any more? I know you just hopped into a triathlon, what, last weekend? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The weekend you, before last. You just yeah. hopped into mm-hmm. a triathlon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So last year I did another half. I did the inaugural half in Madison. I did a half Ironman last summer. And I'm, I'm my knees are um, feeling like... Um, it's it's very difficult. For, mm, I even have a hard time saying this that I can't do something. Yeah. Um, but it's possible that my um, I won't be running any long distance, meaning more than a half. Um, so when was your last one? My last full. Yeah. Was in 2012. Okay. And then my last half back. was last year. Gotcha. Um, but I still I still swim every all the time. I still do distance swimming. So I, I every single summer I still swim at least two point four miles and make sure that I can get it done under the time. It's as if someone was going to say to me at any given moment, 
we have an opening for an Ironman, and if you're ready, you can take it. It's sort of weird how, and so every year I ride at least, I do at least one 100-mile ride, um, and since then I have, and I do at least one 2.4-mile swim, and I have. Um, and the running, though, I... I it, it, it destroys your joints. The running is I hard. I don't care how comfortable your shoes are, how much cushioning you have. The running is hard. It just, I'm, I'm learning that firsthand Yeah. at my age. Um, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So you've done, you've done a lot and a lot of this happened later in your life. When did, mm-hmm. so at what age was your first one? My first one, well, I'm almost 60. My first one, so I was 49. You started when you were 49. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That to me is one of the most yes. amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First I am, yeah. That to mm-hmm. me is one of the most amazing mm-hmm. things about you is you're not, you're not letting age dictate anything. Mm-hmm. You're going to do it. You put your mind yeah. to it. Yeah. So I think that Thanks. no excuses. Yeah. No excuses. I, I, you know, I do not feel my age. I'm. How many days a week are you working out? Six, seven. You do something. I feel like you do something every I day. I do something every day. Yes. Unbelievable. I work out every day. Yes. I do something every day. Unbelievable. And your nutrition so mm-hmm. you've probably learned you've even educated me a little bit on you know being acidic and stuff like that mm-hmm. how sugar you know can accelerate tumors and this and that mm-hmm. what's your diet like these days what are you mm-hmm. what are you doing typically are you following like a specific diet plan or is it just eating clean yeah so i'm i love 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 vegetables and i'm leaning more over the years, I have become more interested in um, plants, in, in whole food, plant um, food. So that means for me, I don't eat red meat, um, and haven't for years. And really, for, for me, it wasn't, it, it started because I heard it wasn't as healthy as other forms of protein, and I didn't really miss it. Um, so that one was very, very easy for me. Um, just recently, um, so, so my, my meals mostly consist of veg- fruits, veg- well, vegetables first, fruits, and I eat a lot of fish, and I, I do eat eggs, and I do supplement with a whey. Mm-hmm. Okay. And good fats and nuts and seeds and n- nothing that's processed. Um, I don't eat sugar. Um, a big thing for me about a year ago was I switched from bottled salad dressing to my homemade salad dressing, which I make with avocado oil and fresh lemon and Dijon mustard. Those are the only three ingredients, which is awesome. I could bring you some. I would like uh, to try that. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I will bring you some. Mm-hmm. It's like my favorite salad dressing now. Well, people don't realize how, okay, I'm going to go get a salad mm-hmm. over at the grocery store, mm-hmm. and I'm eating healthy, but then they dump three cups of ranch dressing on it and that really takes away from it so that can really kill the diet yeah yes i agree so i I eat um, vegetables for breakfast vegetable so i have a huge plate of like um roasted brussels sprouts and this morning i had brussels sprouts roasted red cabbage um some egg whites with broccoli slaw like a kind of an omelet piece and sweet potato and pumpkin. I had a full plate of, you know, uh, vegetables yeah. and some eggs. 
Uh, wow. So and then I have like a huge salad for lunch, like huge. I eat a lot, so I eat a lot, and I'm I eat. Yeah, I'm not afraid to eat. I like to eat. That's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. So really, just a lot of lot clean vegetables. green vegetables. Yeah, a lot of green vegetables. Yeah, stuff like, like that. Like mountains of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's a what's a cheat meal for Helen White look like? Ah. <sighs> So I, I know you indulge once in a while. Yes. <laughs> I will say I indulge very infrequently. Um, so usually, like, if, I'm, if, if I want pizza, then I either have done a 2.4-mile swim that day or I've ridden 100 miles that day. So that would be a cheap meal, um, but it, it only happens a couple times a year. Um, gotcha. Yeah. I, so, but when I go on vacation, um, I'll have dessert every single night. So when we take a, Jack and I take a vacation. So we took like a hiking vacation and we went <clears throat> to Bar Harbor in Maine and they had, they're known for ice cream shops. They have probably, in the small little town, they probably have 20 ice cream shops. Wow. And we were there for eight days. We tried every single ice cream <laughs> shop. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's an ice cream lover's dream up there. Yeah, it's if you like ice cream, it's a great place. So yeah, on vacation, I'll I'll basically um, have dessert probably every night. But the interesting thing is my my breakfast. I would still have like an egg white omelet with vegetables, and my lunch would normally still be a huge salad, and my dinner would still be a protein and vegetables. But the only difference is that I'm having dessert, and that and I'm probably having a glass of wine um, on vacation. But normally, I don't drink. Are you are you on any supplements like a multivitamin or anything like that? So I'm on vitamin D because I was tested and I was low for D. Okay. A lot of people are low on D. Yeah. Have you ever been tested for D? I have not. Mm-hmm. I know that my girlfriend is mm-hmm. low on vitamin D. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things. And she takes a D3? Um, mm-hmm. If she, she hasn't so. already, mm-hmm. yeah, she should. <laughs> I guess it's very, very common, especially, you know, people that use sunscreen, that's me because I burn. Um I guess it's so incredibly common to be low on vitamin D. So I do take a D3, and um, I don't. And then I take a um, a supplement for my knee joints. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. But that's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. If do you consider the whey yeah, supplement, yeah, protein. Yeah, yeah I, t- I use that every single day. Okay. Every single day. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. So when I'm done working out, I have a scoop away in my uh, in my water, and if I were if I were home, I would have a scoop away in in a blender with some spinach and a banana and make it like into a real nice shake. But after my workout here, then I have the scoop away in my water. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, we've covered a lot of topics today. We have. I feel like I need to have you back on because. I feel like we just kind of scratched the surface. Yeah, I have a lot more to say. Of everything that you got into. Um, So we'll definitely have to plan on that. Okay. But, again, I want to thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it, taking time out of your day for this. Um, I think that others out there will gain a lot from listening to this episode. Mm -hmm. If you had to give two pieces of advice Mm -hmm. for somebody that might be going through some of the things that you went through Mm -hmm. and persevered through, Mm -hmm. Do you have like two bits, tidbits of information that, mm-hmm. you know, might be little sure. golden nuggets to share? Um, the first thing I would say is move your body every day. It's, I mean, and that goes really for anyone, but certainly anyone that's going through treatment or anyone who's sick, 
is if you could, and I'm not talking, it doesn't have to be for an hour, just move your body because you'll feel so much better. And then the second thing would probably be um, be open to getting help. You know, I mean, I'm in a helping profession now, but I got help from so many people along the way. Yeah. You know, from great doctors to great trainers to, you know, great family members. So be open to getting help. I love yeah. it. You can't do it yourself. You cannot. It takes a village. It, it does. It really, really does. It does. You can't yeah. be stubborn. That's, yeah. that's excellent. That's amazing. Well, thanks again for coming on. Thank you for having um, me. Again, one more shout out to our sponsors, Team Motivate and you and Eco Gym. If you guys don't know what those are, go to those websites we talked about at the beginning there. Thank you again for joining us. Until next week, this is Tori signing off. <laughs>